Hey everybody, and welcome to Learning from Smart People. I am your host, Rob Oliver, and joining me today is Craig Daly. He has managed large and small businesses over 30 years with a track record of exponential growth. He has owned three successful businesses over the last 20 years and now specializes in consulting to small and medium-sized businesses. Craig, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rob. Glad to be here. All right. So let's just start here. Kind of tell me where you started from. You're talking to 30 years worth of work. What kind of, what industry did you start in and what's your background? Well, actually, I started out in the hotel business. Um, I actually got a degree from Oklahoma State University, who had one of the top hotel schools at the time. And uh, I had already been in the business for a few years, working at a new hotel that had just opened in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I was one of the first guys that got to go through a management training program that was just created. So I was actually a guinea pig. And uh, from there, I stayed in the hotel business for about 22 years. I can tell you that it is a young man's game. And um, as I moved up to management, I found myself moving from city to city just about every two years. Right. And when you have a wife and then the kids come and then traveling across the country and back, it doesn't, it doesn't really work so well. So I've worked in just about every major city across the U.S. from the east to west coast. It was a lot of fun. Um, sure. It was a lot of different experiences, but it was, it was tough. I can imagine. And, you know, I, I'm sure that the kids didn't really appreciate having to go from school to school every couple of years if they were at that age. You know, it almost sounds like being in the military where you're moving all around, except you're, you're following the business and following your work. So, uh, True. so from there, you decide that you're going to, is that when you decide that you're going to go into business for yourself or what's the next well, step for you? Yeah, not, not right away. Um, I actually went to work for a consulting firm at the time, and I worked there for about a year just to get some experience in the consulting side, how consultants work, how you go in and work with these small businesses, and that was a lot of travel. I, I, I was out on the road about 50, 49 weeks of the year, hmm. but I would be home every Friday and then go out again on Sunday. Um, but I only did that for about a year. And I ended up in this little medical home medical equipment business in Daytona Beach. Um, and this business was doing fine. It was making money. But it never could really grow. And it never really... It got up to about $2.5 million a year. Okay. And... They couldn't figure out how to break through that ceiling. So I came in and put together a business model that was very, very efficient. It allowed them to break out of Florida and get into virtually all the lower 48 states. And we grew that by about $12 million in revenue over 18 months. Okay. When I saw how well that worked, 
I said, I need to do this myself. Right. So the way that actually came about was interesting because, you know, we have a big bike week in, in Florida every year. Right. Upwards of a half a million bikers come in. Um, I was down at bike week. I bought a raffle ticket for $20 and I won a Harley. You're a lucky man. I was very lucky. So I said, this is great. So I kept the Harley for about six months. And I said, now I got to fund my new business. The banks aren't going to touch you, especially a startup. Sure. I didn't know any, I didn't know any investors. So I sold the Harley. I said, I got to always get into the Harley, which right. I did eventually. Um, I sold the Harley and started a, a little business with the same business model that, that I had used. And over a period of 10 years, we grew that to almost $12 million a year in revenue uh, in 10 years. And then a private equity group came in and bought the company. And I said, great, I'm retiring. It was actually about a year later. And I retired and I came down to Ecuador where I've been for the last seven years. Um, but I got bored. Okay. And so I have, I started my own consulting firm that we really work primarily with small businesses, small business, the SBA, the small business administration, they define that as under $6 million a year okay. in revenue. Our average one is actually smaller than that. Um, what is nice is though, I get to sit back and pick and choose the businesses that I want to work for. And, uh, so it's still part time, but it keeps me busy, and it's it's a lot of fun taking a small business and helping it grow. So that's really your specialty, then, is that finding kind of creating that business model, or maybe it, it's not even creating the business model; it's implementing the business model that allows the business to grow. That that's what you do, basically. Primarily, yeah. You know, I have businesses that come to me with either challenges in growing the company or specific challenges maybe in human resources areas or their revenues have been dropping they don't know why so we go in and we take a broad look at the business first and then we start picking it apart to find out what the real problem is and what we found is that there's basically three reasons four reasons why the small businesses fail especially the startups and I don't know if you know this or your listeners know this, but over 50% of businesses that start fail in the first year. Okay. And within two years, it's 66%. So there's only about 25% of the new small businesses will make it to 10 years or more. Wow. That's a, that's a discouraging fact. It, it, it makes you think twice about, you know, deciding to start your own business because you're only you're saying that one out of four survives. That's about right. And it's very disheartening. And um, I can tell people, unless you're working for yourself. And I don't care what kind of position you're in, unless you're the CEO of a Fortune 100 company. 
you're never going to get, you're never really going to make yourself financially comfortable. Mm -hmm. It just won't happen. Right. And people talk about, you know, big businesses and uh, salaries that some of the CEOs are paid and how outrageous they are and so forth. My, my position on that is that I say it depends. Um, but one of my old comments I've always made to somebody was, well, did you ever get a job from a poor guy? Right. Not really. Mm -hmm. So if you really want to better yourself and really do something that you feel fulfilled with and make some money, you need to open your own business. You need to run your own operation. You know, it's so interesting that you say that. I'm a person with a disability, so what I have learned is that, A, it is really, really difficult to get a, a job at all as a person with a disability. B, Understood. the areas in which I can find employment are typically siloed in the disability community. And so you're looking at a lot of nonprofit and a lot of service organizations. And so in that realm... Um, the earning potential is fairly limited. And so deciding to move out and to become an entrepreneur and to start my own speaking and publishing business was the way that I said, okay, this is basically how I create my own opportunity. Because, That's right. Because there's a, there's a real glass ceiling in the disability employment world. And uh, this is... as as you said, this is the way to break through that. That's right. And, you know, I say to people such as yourself, because we work with a lot of people with disabilities, being the business that I was in with home medical equipment. And I can tell you, don't ever feel that you should ever be limited by any disability. Because you can be an entrepreneur, you can run your own business, whether you're doing it from home or anywhere else, you're not limited by disability. You're only limited by what the limitations you put on yourself. And that's what I tell my clients all the time is break past that. Yeah. Oh, no, totally agree. I had a guest on uh, a few episodes ago. His name was Nathan, and he was talking about how no label defines me. People are always putting labels on us. And it is up to us to remove those labels and to say, listen, that's not who I am. That's not how I identify. I, I'm going to, to be my own person. I'm going to do my own thing and create my own opportunity. So, so let me just jump into this then. You're, you were talking about how 50% fail within right. a year. And you know the numbers go up from there. My question is then, are there strategies that people can use either as they are starting their business or even before they're starting their business to set themselves up for success? Absolutely. And I think the first thing I would tell anybody is do something you really like. Do something you enjoy. Because if you start to open a business and you don't like what you're doing, you won't have any passion for it. And if you don't have that burning fire in your gut, which drives all entrepreneurs, and you look at this as, well, it can make good money, but I really don't care that much, your business will not succeed. And 
so I always say, make it something about you, something you know and something you enjoy. And, you know, the business, I was fortunate in the business that I started. I learned it. I had enjoyed it. And it was profitable. And so all three of those came together for me. That was, that's the first thing I would tell people is do something that you like and you enjoy. But one of the first reasons that people fail with startups is they're undercapitalized. They just don't go in with enough money. And, you know, various businesses require different amounts of capital. But most people think they have enough uh, to start whatever type of business. Chances are you need to double that number or even triple it, whatever you think it is. Okay. Um, people go in and say, well, you know, I can build customers up and if I sell so much of this product or that widget, um, we can make money. And it's not just that easy. So people should sit down and plan out really what all the costs are on a monthly basis and create a budget. I will tell you that 75% of the small businesses I go into have no operating budget, mm. have no idea what their goals are, couldn't tell me what their expenses are. Right. And they take the money in, they send everything to the accountant and hope at the end of the month there's a profit. Uh, that doesn't work. <laughs> sure. So there's not, they don't plan. Got it. And we, we see it all the time. And so that's the first thing we do is we teach people to put together a budget, a real budget that takes into consideration everything because there's taxes, there's insurance, there's likely rent if you don't own your own building, uh, utilities, and payroll. One of your biggest, biggest business uh, killers is payroll. And the payroll taxes and all these things that have to be considered into how you're pricing your product. And it really, people don't really know how to do that correctly. And what I tell people is when you think about making a budget, make the first line of expense, your targeted profit. Hmm. So you turn it upside down. Right. So, and as soon as you get your cost of goods, whatever your is that you're selling, the very next line should be, I want to hit a 20% profit. Take that 20% right out and say, now, can I run the business on what's left over? Okay. And that's how you do it. Right. So you're really talking about reverse engineering where you... That's right. To a degree, yes. Uh, you're setting up all of your expenses, you're setting, and you're including your profit in there, which is a, a concept that I love. It's not just saying, what are my expenses? You're saying, I need to include in there my own, my own profit, my own um, payment, my own salary, basically. That's right. That's right. And believe it or not, there are mathematical formulas that we help people with all the time that can be calculated and applied to the cost of any product that will account for all of those operating expenses and it will account for the portion of those expenses that can go to one sale. 
And so there is a way to do that mathematically. Okay. And you can teach people to put in their, um, their product costs and use this mathematical formula, and it will tell you this is what you need to price this at to hit X amount of profit. Okay. Interesting. So uh, can I go back to something that you talked about earlier? You said sure. that folks are most often undercapitalized, that they start off without enough funding to actually do what they're trying to do. Can, can you tell me a little bit about that? And are there, like, how do you get the capital? A lot of people are coming in operating off savings or something along those lines. Um, not everybody wins a Harley that they can sell to start their business. So uh, give me, do you have some ideas on what people can do? Sure. Yeah, um, you're right. I was very lucky and, and there's no doubt about it. Um, and that doesn't happen with mo most people. However, a lot of times what happens is they'll get a, a, what they think is a great idea and they go to the bank and they take whatever they've put on paper to a bank, forget the banks. Banks will not loan on startups unless you have a heck of amount of money in their bank to begin with and you have a very strong relationship. Banks don't like startups. There's a lot of investors that don't like startups because it's too unknown. What, so Yeah, I mean, and what you said was 50% of them fail within the first year anyway. So investing in something that only has a 50-50 chance of success is a very risky venture. It's not great odds. And what we find is that investors will say, one of the first questions that if you're looking for an investor or a partner or even uh, a lender that does high risk lending, the first question they come up with, how much are you going to put in? How much skin do you have in the game? Right. People come to me all the time. They want to start a business. And where do I go for money? And I always ask, how much do you have right now? Well, I don't have any. I'm going to I'm going to put in the sweat equity. Nobody cares about sweat equity. Sure. They just don't. And while it may have some intrinsic value to you, it doesn't to anybody else. So if an investor says, "If I'm putting up all the money, why do I need you?" Right. I'll just I'll keep the business for myself. Sure. And so, go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say. As, a, as an entrepreneur, as a startup business, there is that you bring the passion and the enthusiasm and all of those things. But those, the abilities that you have and the expertise that you have are things that can all be purchased. And, and That's be, right. So um, in that, when an invest, if an investor wants to get into your business, they can hire somebody to do whatever it is that you do. And that's right. Then it's their business instead of it being your business. Is that the logic that you're using? That, that's correct. That's exactly right. And, you know, the way they look at it is uh, you say it's going to be successful. Mr. Investor says, I don't know that it's going to be successful. You know, so they want to see how committed you are. And part of that commitment is to you have to have some skin in it. You have to have some risk in it. And if you're not prepared to do that, you're going to have a hard time getting any kind of funding. Now, you know, 
for startups, there are SBA programs that are available. SB, SBA meaning Small Business Administration? Yes. Okay. But they're time, they take time. Um, they want a lot of information. You almost need professional assistance in applying for that. Um, regardless of where you're going for funding, you need a professionally written business plan that shows what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, and why it's going to be profitable. And I have seen business plans of 30 or 40 pages mm-hmm. for two, three, five million dollar deals. The investor looks at that and it goes to the trash can. Okay. Because nobody has time to read 30 pages and the investor get 10 of those a day. Okay. A short, sweet, to the point business plan, eight to 10 pages, and you can sell an investor if it's done right. Got it. So your general, your general principle there is to know what you're doing, know why it's going to be profitable, uh, to be able to express that in a business plan that's eight to 10 pages, and then um, go after some investors with that as your primary tool. Right. And, and I always suggest to people that, that are starting up, look, go after the low-hanging fruit first. Family, friends, relatives, whoever. And everybody that you know, and you can actually create yourself a little pool of, of uh, your own investors that are family or people you know. They each get a percentage based on what they invest. Okay. And you might be surprised how much you can raise before you have to go to the outside investments. Good. I, so you're finding investors and you're starting up your business. Now, there's a whole bunch of different business model or a di- different business types out there okay that's right as far as structures and llcs and what have right. you um can you talk to me a little bit about those different structures and is there one that's be- more beneficial for a small business or it, what are the parameters that kind of define what's the best business structure to follow sure um personally for a small startup I prefer uh, the LLC or what they call the S-Corp. It's very similar, limited liability companies. Those came around a few years back and uh, quite a few years back, but not nearly as long as this regular corporation. And what's nice about an LLC is that it affords you, in most cases, the same type of protection that a corporation would. But the tax structure is very different. Okay. And in corporations, you actually get taxed twice. You get a corporate tax, and then on any distributions you make out, whether it's to yourself or other shareholders, that's taxed. So there is a double taxation. On an LLC, it's different. And actually, the, the people that are in the officers are known as members. They're called members. And what happens there is, the profits at the end of the year are not taxed to the LLC. Those profits flow straight out to the individuals to the extent of what they have invested. Okay. 
So if you let's say you had a hundred thousand dollar business and you own twenty percent of it, you're going to be responsible for paying taxes on twenty percent of that profit that flows through to you or to whomever on a, what's called, it's called a K one, and that's that's what's reported to the IRS. But that's only taxed once, and it's taxed at the individual income tax rate, not at corporate rates. So I prefer LLCs. Got it. All right. So if you were giving some advice to a, a startup company that you say, okay, you're starting now, what you, you've kind of said how to get some money. You've said how, what structure to use, what kind of advice would you give to say, this is what to watch for, or this is what to do to increase your survival rate? Sure. You know, that kind of brings me to the next reason that businesses failed. Because, and many of them have what's called, a, what I call is just a flawed business model. Okay. They don't run, they don't, they don't structure an efficient organization or use efficiencies of scale. And when I, what I mean by that is a lot of people will hire way too many people and think that each person has a specific job throughout the business process. So you have to look at, say, from the moment that I get the potential to make a sale from whatever marketing I'm doing and to the point that I deliver that product or service, what things have to happen along the way? And, and really, people don't think through that. And if you make a list of every single step that has to go through from origin to delivery, you get an idea of what transpired and, and where can you condense that and make it efficient. We do this all the time. I'll give you an example. One of the reasons our business was so successful and so profitable, we were able to get into 50 states or 48 states across the country, and we did it with one location. And we had no inventory. Okay. And inventory, and my wife gives me a hard time about it because I tell her this all the time. But I tell her that when you have inventory and you look at your inventory shelves, you might as well be looking at stacks of cash that you can't use. Right. Because that's what it is. Sure. So we structured ours to where we didn't keep, we didn't carry inventory. And I created a delivery network across the country, and I would drop ship directly to our delivery people, wherever they were located, who were my competitors, by the way. Right. And got them to go make the delivery and the setup. And it's funny because the, the competitors would say, why should I help you Well, you're taking my business? I'll say, or you're taking my customers. I said, they're not your customers, or you would have already had them. Right. They're my customers. So sure. why, don't, why don't you get a piece of it instead of none of it? Right. I'm going to pay you enough money to pay for your truck for the entire day, to pay for your payroll for that driver for the entire day, and still make money on it. Sure. Or you can get nothing. No. Well, next thing you know, you've got your competitors working for you, and I don't have the cost of the buildings. I don't have the cost of the inventory. And all those savings 
fall straight down to the bottom line. That's a good business model. Yeah. And that's what people need to do. Sure. Listen, hey, I appreciate you sharing today. Um, you've given us a lot to think about. If people are looking to find you, where can they get in touch with you on the web or wherever? Yes, our website is, um, I, I won't even give you all the www because everybody knows how to do that pretty much. So the name of my company is Portfolio Management Group. And the website is PMG, Paul Michael George, PMG-Consult, C-O-N-S-U-L-T, dot org. And if they go to the website, they can find all the different types of services we offer, uh, how we work. And we are very affordable compared to most firms. And um, you can actually go through and customize the services or what you need done, and we'll, we'll put it together for you. We want to offer to, to your listeners today, anybody that's listening to this, can receive a free consultation for 30 minutes with me on any business topic they have. I don't care what it is. And I'm happy to give you some advice on it. I'm happy to maybe give you some answers, uh, especially in the human resources area, marketing area. Whatever your problem is, get a hold of us through the website. I will respond to you. We'll set up a time. I'll spend 30 minutes with your listeners at no charge and give them some advice on whatever they need. Excellent. Well, I will put all of the links and everything in the show notes. And you've got a special code that goes with that, which I will also put in the show notes, which I believe is uh, SP30. So um, SP30 is your code. I'll put all that information in there. Hey, listen, Craig, I really appreciate you being on today. You've given us, a, like I said, you've shown us that you are indeed smart. I have learned from you. Now it is time for three questions to establish your humanity. Are you okay. ready for this, my friend? Sounds great. All right. So I, I, this was not on my list of original questions, but Ecuador, like what took you to Ecuador? I have no idea. No, that's not true. Uh it's funny because we're actually coming back to the States this year, by the end of the year. Um, Ecuador, when, when at the time I retired, really was coming up as a very uh, desirable area in terms of costs, real estate, and so forth. And it was at first. But we live in a beach town. Um, we're not far from the, from the ocean. Um, Real estate prices, you know, you get a pretty good bang for the buck. But the food prices have gone up here. It's really not any cheaper than the U.S. Okay. Um, the gas prices are good. Uh, cabs are cheap. I haven't had a car in seven years. So yeah, I can get across town for $3 on a cab. So Wow. Um, and the weather's great year-round. You know, we're right at the equator. So, sure. But we are coming back. Fantastic. So if I'm not mistaken, they grow a bunch of coffee in Ecuador. Like, are, are you getting a fresh, fresh, wonderful coffee there? There's very good coffee here. And it's a lot cheaper than the U.S. Um, by U.S. standards. But there's great coffee here. And, uh, we're, of course, we're right below Colombia. So we're in that region. 
we borderline the rainforest, uh, the Amazons. So there's 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 some good uh, good fruit and vegetables. They're really cheap, and coffee's best. Good. Uh, easy question for you. What's the last thing that you read, either uh, a book or something digitally? What's the last thing you read? The last thing I read actually had to do with um, a Medicare program uh, that involved our acquisition. And would our business be affected by that a new guideline? And that's, again, part of that planning stage I've been talking about. It sounds like really exciting reading. It's not, trust me. But that was the last thing I read digitally. And uh, so that shows you where my mind's been. Got it. All right. Last question for you. Easy question. What is the one thing that they cook in Oklahoma that you are missing most by being in Ecuador? Well, I haven't been to Oklahoma in a long time. Okay. Um, but probably what I miss the most is a good steak. Nice. The steaks here are terrible. Thank <laughs> you. Terrible. And, uh, once in a while, we'll splurge and we'll get some imported beef from Argentina. Um, I have I make great ribs that okay. fall off the bone, and so um, if I can't find them, I'll make them. But good steaks, not so much. I go back to the state to the states. I always go to a good steakhouse. Fantastic. Hey, listen, Craig, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you taking your time to share with us. Uh, to all my listeners, I will say again, thank you for listening. I hope you've learned something today. I will remind you, as always, that when you stop learning, you stop living. Have a great day, everybody. Bye.